Hello, this is Wayne Highlander. I'm National Sales Manager of Bone Adhesives. And I'm Rob Johnson from Bona Training. Rob, how you doing? Pretty good. How are you, man? No, how, how, how are you really doing? I am doing good, baby. USA is opening back up for business. You're right, it is, man. That's exciting. Everything. Look at the stock market the other day. Holy smokes, man. Are you a stock guy? Um, through my wife, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I told you, she gives me $20 a day. And I have to manage that twenty dollars. She manages everything else. How do you do with that? You okay? I, I'm I'm thrilled to death with it. I have no responsibilities. When I owned my own business, it was money every day. Money was on my mind all the time, all the time, all my time. And now she handles it and uh, frees me up for uh, all the important decisions in life. <laughs> you know, nice. which, which fishing pole to buy. And uh, no, she she covers the rest of it. I love that sports is coming back too. I've missed. I've missed sports. I've missed the NHL playoffs. The Boston Bruins were named the President's Trophy winner, best team in the NHL. Yeah, yeah. But we want some playoffs, man. We want playoffs. How about Major League Soccer? How exciting is that? It was just announced today, man. Start kicking off down the Walt Disney Complex. Uh, It's going to be like a a World Cup kind of format. All 26 teams will be down there playing. And uh, I'm pretty excited about that. You a soccer fan? Um, no, never really. Uh, you know, I watched a couple games during the World Cup, but uh, I'm more into hockey, football, that kind of thing. What about you? You, you a soccer guy? Uh, yeah, very. I used to play soccer, and I'm not going to say I was on par with Pele, but um, I had some skills, man. You were a soccer player. Yeah, I was actually co-captain of my team when I was in, uh, in school and uh, living in England. You were co-captain of an English soccer team. No, it was American school. They were all American kids. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's American school yeah, in England. And I loved it. Got up every day. I used to love it, love it, love it. And uh, Pele was uh, my all-time favorite player. I think Pele still is probably known as the best soccer player in the world. Now, I'm way out of it. So somebody younger today might go, no way, there's somebody else so-and-so. And I would be li- willing to listen to it. But Pele was absolutely uh, in a different world. But the second best player, my or my certainly my second best, uh, uh, you know, guy that I used to follow was George Best. Probably never heard of George Best. In the 1960s, he was uh, the the uh, he was a quarterback from the New York uh, New York Jets, back the real flamboyant guy. Joe uh, Namath. He was a Joe Namath of English soccer. Okay, and he wore mink coats. He hung around with the Rolling Stones, all that stuff. But again, he got into drugs later in life and, and, and alcohol and stuff like that. He, and then he disappeared for a long time. And in an interview, years years later, the, the reporter says, you know, George, you know, what happened to you? You know, I mean, you know, you, you kind of disappeared off the scene. He said, well, I went missing. Miss Universe, Miss America. He, he was known for dating all the most glamorous, beautiful women in the world at the time. And that was his line. And uh, he also said that uh, he didn't care what anybody in the world thought of him when it's all said and done. He said, Pele said, I'm one of the best players on earth. And he goes, that to me is my validation. That's it. Uh, yeah. And he, he lost all his money. And I think he might have been the first one that's when they said, what, what happened to all your money, whatever. And he said, well, I, I spent a lot of it on, on drugs and booze and women and, and the rest of it I wasted. <laughs> I, I think he was the first athlete to ever say that. <laughs> George Best. George Best. Now, how'd you guys do against English teams? 
Uh, so we never played English teams, but uh, because the, uh, it was American schools played American schools. But uh, I played English kids every day. I mean, I woke up playing soccer and went to bed playing soccer. That's all we did all day long. I mean, I loved it. Uh, Leeds United was my team. I actually had a have an uncle by marriage who played in the World Cup. I think like uh, in '56, I think it was. Uh, so yeah, the team Russia. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, he played. Uh, he was in England. He was he was uh, from Ireland, but he played on a team uh, in, in England. Uh, I want to say Chelsea when he was playing, but I, uh, uh, I can't remember what team he played for. He showed, but he showed me his passport. When I knew the guy, I knew him when he was, I'm going to say in quotes, an old man. You know, at the time he was probably 55 years old, but he had no longer, because when he lived in England and he was a, like a, him and his brothers were like the DiMaggio brothers over there in, 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 in the, but in, in soccer, right? I mean, I was, his, my aunt would tell me they'd drive around in Rolls Royces and stuff and they had the life, right? But when I knew him, he was a butcher working at Safeway, and he had had a tracheotomy. <laughs> and life kind of went, life after, after soccer with him kind of went downhill. He had a tracheotomy, so when he talked to me, it was always through his throat. And uh, all I remember about him as a young kid, so I just moved to California, I'm just meeting my relatives over here, they say, you know, Uncle Jimmy, you know, lives up the road. And I'm thinking the guy, you know, probably lives in a, in a mansion or something. He lived in an apartment complex. And he had a stack of Playboy, Playboy magazines. And that's all I remember about the guy. He was a butcher. And, uh, you know, life was kind of tough. She divorced butcher, him. Butcher slash pervert. It sounds like it, yeah. My wife divorced him and moved on to bigger and better things. Uh, my, did I say my wife? You said your wife divorced oh, my, him. My, my aunt. <laughs> your wife divorced her, your uncle, to marry yeah. you. <laughs> No, okay. uh, my aunt divorced him after things started going south, and um, you know she moved on to bigger and better things. And then uh, I think he uh, life didn't treat him too well towards the end. So you were like a double threat then. You were a football star, a soccer star. What else? I never said I was a football star. I'm saying that it, given the opportunity, I think I could have been pretty special. You had the heart of a football star. No, uh, listen, I I moved. I only went to eleven different schools. Every time I moved to a school, I was in the middle of a season. The season just ended, or I started with the team, and we had to move six weeks later. So uh, I never got uh, a chance to – I only got one full season of football in my life, and uh, it was uh, when I was a senior, and I made the best of it. That's really what cost you a shot at the pros. I think so. Jumping it around. Wasn't, no, uh, it wasn't the, uh, wasn't the speed or anything like that. It was definitely the, the – <laughs> see, the scouts couldn't catch up to me. They didn't know where to find me. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in England in one year. Next year, I'm in, in Michigan, or I'm in I'm in. Colorado. They're getting coaches' letters. They're coming out to watch you practice, and you ain't there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's what held me out of pro sports: contract disputes. Yeah, it's you could funny. never get the right contract dispute. Yeah, well, you couldn't get along with very many people. So, what are we talking about today, Rob? Hey, America is open for business, baby. Yes, sir. Let's help our. Listeners, get some of that stimulus money. Um, speaking of money, before I we get going here, uh, you know, I was I told you I was thinking about buying a new truck, right? Yes. So I was on the internet researching trucks. You know, everybody's got a great truck out there. I mean, there's so many nice ones, but holy smokes, trucks are expensive. So in the end, in the end, I decided not to buy a truck. I mean, it's just that's just a lot of money, and so I I, I just said, you know what, I'll be fine with what I have. Um, 
But you know something interesting, Rob? Um, after I started researching trucks, now I would just write, you know, Dodge trucks for sale or, or um, you know, Toyota Tundras or whatever. That's all I put in, okay? And then I'd read the information. So that next evening, I opened up my, my Facebook and, uh, and it would say, best trucks for senior citizens would come across my feed. <laughs> I mean, what, what the hell? You know what I mean? I, I didn't ask for best truck for senior citizen. I was just looking at trucks. They, 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 they put that label on me, Rob. Listen, I know we got a show to do today, but since we're on the senior citizen thing, you know, since we've been in lockdown here, I've been taking a lot of, a lot of calls, contractor calls, helping out with DMs and tech and everything. I get a call from a guy today and we're talking about sealers and, you know, how to get the sealers down. And he said, you know, I couldn't go to a school last year, um, but I stopped in for a half day at a school in Jersey. And, uh, you know, the guy who was teaching, he was great. He was an older gentleman. Oh, no. And I, I said, <laughs> an older gentleman. <laughs> I said, uh, was his name Rob? He said, yeah, yeah, I think it was Rob or Bob. I, I go, well, that's me. Yeah. And that, that is the first time ever. You want to talk about a gut punch. Yeah. That was the first time ever that I ever heard myself referred to as like, you know, I hear my kids, ah, old man, old this, right. old that. Yeah. But, you know, when you hear a guy that you don't know that well, say uh, the school, you know, the guy who was teaching was an older gentleman. Yeah. That's right. That's, that's when I thought, oh. Bone has got to be prepping my pink slip right now if people yeah. think I'm an older gentleman. Yeah. Well, that's probably part of the reason. The other part of the reason is all your expense reports on your meals were like before 530. Yeah. <laughs> so you can get the bluebird special, you know. No way. I just get a rotisserie chicken and lay in bed. That's, yeah. I don't even like going to restaurants. No. But it's the 430 in the afternoon problem, though, <laughs> laying in bed with that rotisserie chicken. I thought it was bad when I got an AARP card, but nothing, nothing felt like the older gentleman. There was an older gentleman there teaching yeah. that class. I, I told you, uh, I won't repeat the story, but when I was at the concert and I was talking to the guy, a young guy, and he goes, isn't this great, man? This, you know, this, that's so beautiful thing about music. Like, you know, a young guy like me, an old guy like you, you still enjoy a show like this. <laughs> It was like out of the. It was it was very innocent what he was saying, but he just said so matter of factly. If he didn't say it so matter of factly, it wouldn't bother me as much. It's like yeah. he was like joking or like you know like that, but no. No, he was dead serious. In his eyes, I was an old man. You're an old man. I'm an older gentleman. <laughs> I think I'd rather be an old man than an older gentleman. Uh, no, I go with the older gentleman. Okay. Yeah, I think that's more distinguished. Hey, man. Vacations are being put on the back burner from a lot of people I've talked to. Pools and playgrounds. You can't find pools and playgrounds now. Everybody's buying this stuff. Like I said, there's a ton of stimulus money. People have money, whether they got that extra unemployment money or the stimulus money. My son's phone is ringing off the hook. Yeah. He is dying to get back to it because he hasn't seen calls like this forever. So this is a great time too, I think, to get into the deep cleaning business. Especially for people that are, you know, in America, we're on the run all the time, right? We're going, we're going. Both, both the, the husband and wife are usually working and they're, you know, now we're all at home now, right? So it's a different animal. So 
we're living in the house more than we normally do, right? And, uh, and also, you, you, there's something about sitting around the house, looking at the house day in and day out, that makes you want to paint because you're staring at them same walls every year. That makes you want to do something, you know what I mean? Like I told you, I, I, I tore my fence out in the back because I get tired of looking at it. It was crooked. And it you know, bugged me a little bit. But when I was home all the time, it bugged me a lot. I kept that. Every time I look out the window, I see that fence is crooked. So I, one day, I, without even having a plan, I just went out there and tore the fence out. And uh, I think that with hardwood floors, too, people are staring at them floors. You know what I mean? And uh, they're looking at them. They're living on them more. This is a great opportunity for Harvard floor guys. Everybody's living on them more, right? Yeah, Kids aren't yeah. in school. Everybody's home. Kids aren't in college. Yeah, those floors are getting So, so now the message. Great, great time for the message. For the contractors to, the, to, to their clientele. That, you know what I mean? You've been staring at these floors all, all, all this time, the last two months, and living on them more. You, you, you know, maybe this is the time to spruce them up, spring cleaning. Uh, though we're in summer, whatever, uh, you know, I, I think that's a great time for this message. I think, that, and they got stimulus money. Maybe uh, the timing is, uh, sometimes it's all about timing. Yeah, and I think this is the timing one too. You know, we've talked a lot about this where everything now is trending towards cleaning. What have we always said? The first people who spot these trends are the people who make money. The yep. first people who got into wire brushing, the first people who got into the vac systems, first people who did white floors, those were the guys who made tons of money. So the first people to get in on the ground floor of this whole cleaning craze it's going to hit, they're the ones who are going to make the money. Can I tell you a little story, Rob? Oh, please do. Let me tell you a story about Red Ocean, Blue Ocean, Okay. You know Red Ocean. We all know Red Ocean. That's what we fight every day. You're, you're, you're fighting against your competitors. They're a little more expensive than you. Maybe you offer a little better service. They use a different product than you, you know, whatever. But everybody's in that ocean, in that Red Ocean of congestion, and everybody's fighting it out, right? Yeah. Blue Ocean is all new business. It's a whole lane to yourself. I'll give you the best example you'll ever get for that. Cirque du Soleil, okay? Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey Circus was the, that was the show. Right. I mean, for that generation coming out of the, the depression and all this stuff, I mean, that what a great escape. Well, you didn't have Xbox. You didn't have, uh, you know, you weren't fighting against Major League Soccer and all these other, you know, all these other things that are out there that grab your attention, the Internet and all this different stuff. So there was nobody making much money in circuses. And also, you know, every circus had like this one star performer that everybody wanted to see him. He had knew that. And so these guys charged a fortune, which also made it harder for the people that had circuses to make any money. So into that, people don't want to see animals get hurt anymore or used by, by, by humans like this. And, and so the circus is one on a huge decline. Okay? Enter Cirque du Soleil, who realized that people love going to plays. They love going to opera. They love going to, uh, to you know, out for a glamorous night to dress out, go to this big building and be entertained in this manner. And so they reinvented circuses. They now, the, the profit margin on, the, on, on that and profit margin in going in an area where there nobody else is, is off the charts. Well, this is a great blue ocean moment that get away from guys that are doing all this thing, fighting it out, fighting it out, find this clientele right there and go that direction. And, and look at the profit margin on that and look at the, uh, the, the, the competition kind of fall away. Yeah. Charge more money. I mean, we're, you know, we got a training uh, 
podcasts we got coming up that everything is about cleaning and restaurants are starting to open houses are starting to be showed again real estate people everybody is about getting things clean now so now is i think the one of the best times ever to jump into that business I know you talk about this segment of our industry a lot, Rob, and I think a lot of people might say, ah, cleaning, you know, we're craftsmen, you know, we're, we're, we install floors. I mean, that's what we, that's, you know, that's what we do. Why is it that you, that this, this segment kind of resonates with you so much? I think it's the easiest money that a wood floor guy can do. I mean, I hear you. We love doing the beautiful floors and the tough sand jobs and, the big jobs and everything, but I know you and I have had the conversation before, man, if I could do nothing but recoats, I'd be a rich man. Yeah. And now with this deep cleaning, the thing that when I first started training about four years ago, I was figuring 25, 30 cents a square foot for cleaning. And man, did I ever have my eyes open to that? I mean, I have a lot of students who've attended, you know, a, school maybe a few times and the guys that are doing the deep cleaner are getting anywhere from 40 cents I've heard up to a dollar and a quarter just for doing deep cleans so there's some serious money to be made with the deep cleaning and I just can't push the fact now that I mean every conversation that you hear on tv and everywhere social media everything everything is revolving around cleaning now yeah yep and the other thing I've always, always pushed is this is our business. We're the wood floor experts. We don't want carpet guys going in and doing this. This is ours. We're the ones who know. It's our, you know, this is our expertise. This is our business. So we should be the ones who are in there doing it. Yep. I uh, couldn't agree more. I've, I've talked about that a lot myself. Um, so, when you're talking about deep cleaning, you're obviously going to be talking about the power scrubber. When you talk about the power scrubber, I think there's one word that you that that has to come to mind with the power scrubber, what it does versus any other system out there. And that word is? Extraction. There you go. Oh, you got it. Yes. That's it. That's the $50 buzzword, extraction. It actually extracts the contaminants off the floor instead of pushing them around. Um, I mean, buffer pads and buffers and wet dry vacs, don't get me wrong, they're all great, okay? They're, they're going to do a, a good job. But when you, you know, just think of what a buffing pad does, how it, it spins on top of the surface, where that brush that's on the power scrubber, that brush gets down into the wood and digs things out, and that's where... That's where we get the extraction from. Yeah. Not just pushing and sucking, but really digging it out and extracting it. Yeah. Um, I actually have my own experience. Uh, uh, I don't know, maybe it's three weeks ago now. Uh, we have a friend of ours, a young couple. He just had a baby, just bought a house. And after they bought the house, they wanted me to look at the floors. They said, you know what? It just seems like the floors kind of got, like they're like scuffed up real bad. That's the word they used. So I went, I went by and have a look at, you know, I don't do floors anymore. I have zero interest in doing floors anymore. Matter of fact, I think a rep should never be doing out, doing out doing side jobs. That's, that, I think that's uh, as that big a no-no as it gets in my eyes. Uh, it's, that's our customer's work and we don't take, 
took this away from our customers. But it's a family friend. And um, he asked us, could I come by and look at it? And then I said, it looks to me like there's some kind of uh, uh, acrylic on the floor. So in order to test this, I took some uh, household ammonia and water, 50-50, and mix it together and, and pour some on a spot on the floor and let it sit for a while. And then with my fingernails kind of agitated it, right? And it started turning milky white. So I told him, you know, you definitely, there's some kind of acrylic on the floor. Now, whether the lady that lived there for many, many years did it or whoever bought the house before her and fixed it up to flip it, did it, who knows? But there's no history of what happened on that floor. So we brought the Bona polish remover to the job. I bought the, I, I brought the uh, power scrubber to the job. And just to, in case I bought the uh, buffer, I bought some white pads and I bought some maroon pads, some, con some conditioning pads, okay? So, um, and I, I get determined pretty quickly that there was a lot of this product on there. But Rob, the, um, the I mean, between the, three, the, 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 the power scrubber and the buffer and the pads did a fabulous job getting it off there, man. So we laid the the uh, the microfiber mop. We put out the, uh, the the bone polish remover, and let it let it sit for a few minutes. And then, but then, I got on it with the buffer, because there was so much on there. And I got on it with a maroon pad. And this was a pre-finished floor. Looks like aluminum oxide. And um, I got on with the buffer first, and then I then I used the bone cleaner with the power scrubber to extract it off the floor. Holy smoke! Did a great job. And in some areas, like the kitchen they loaded it on there. So I went from the white pad to the, to the conditioning pad, a little more aggressive. And uh, just did a smoking good job. And he came back and looked, looked like, I mean, the, the floor was in smoking good condition underneath it. So it took all that away, all those, all those uh, uh, scuff marks and everything that kind of, you know, muted kind of a white look to it and everything got rid of all that. It just looked stunning. And, <laughs> and we took, uh, so I started thinking about this. I think it was like, Oh, it had to be 1,400 square feet or so. We didn't do the, the two bedrooms, which they're gonna leave for now because of furniture. But um, man, it, it took that off in a day. And I thought to myself, if I was charging for this, if I charged the buck a foot, that's 1,400 bucks. Not, not, a, not a bad day's work. No, so. no, and it's, you know, you don't have to send your your elite crew leaders out to do stuff like this. Yeah. You know, this could almost be a, a a feeder program for you know getting some new kids involved in the business a nice easy way for them to get in the business you know is this the kind of kid you want to hire and it's you know not too well, tough to learn how to do it the nice thing about the power scrubber the bona power scrubber too rob's been out in the business for years and years and years now right it's tried it's true it's proven uh the the chemicals work fantastic through it the juice as you say and uh nice nice system man um you know what else is great about the power scrubber? Um, let's be honest. I mean, floor guys can be rough in the equipment. Bringing them up in the house, in the truck, banging them around, driving around and everything. That power scrubber is indestructible. And for guys who don't know, for you know, people who don't know what the power scrubber is, if you if you know what an auto scrubber is, it's used in commercial applications, school, stuff like that. It's a whole self-contained unit, unit, a whole self-contained unit that applies cleaner, scrubs it into the floor, and then takes it all up all in one system. So you have a clean tank, a dirty tank. The great part about 
our bone of power scrubber is the dual squeegee system. So whether you're pushing or pulling, it's always picking water up. It's always taking away the moisture from the wood. Everybody's always scared that, oh, I don't want to put too moisture, too much moisture into wood flooring. Well, the dual squeegee system is the key to the to the magic of that machine. You know, uh, I told you I used the buffer on the job also. And the guy that I was with, uh, he's about 260 pounds, you know, big boy, used to play football in high school and stuff. He's still in pretty good shape. He's a lineman for an electrical company. And um, I got the, uh, and it never gets old, does it? Put a buffer in a guy's hands and never ran a buffer before? That's just me. So I, I said, you know, it takes a lot of skill. I said, well, the main thing about these things is, you know, it, it, physically it's demanding because you have strength. to have enough. It, you have it's to have all enough, about the strength. Yes. You've got to have enough strength to control that buffer when it goes <laughs> into motion. And I show him how to do it. And it obviously, it's nothing, right? Especially if you're not biting into anything, you're going across the top. So he starts and, it, and the buffer's backing him up across the room. You know, he's using all arms to try to get him to go straight. I go, no, man. I said, you got to use your core and everything. You got to have the strength to hold this thing when it wants to go into motion like that. And uh, I can see he's getting madder and madder. So I let him off the hook. So it's, it's, it's a little things in life, isn't it, Rob? It is. It is. That's one of the big things at the school is when somebody's going to run a buffer for the first time everybody crowds around they're all get their cameras out i go no sorry it's not gonna happen here i don't do that for new guys i'll take a white pad put it on concrete and let them run the buffer that way just to get uh get used to it yeah no more hazing huh no no now that i'm an instructor i can't do things like that (laughs) all right so where 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 do you find some of this business at rob where's a good way to find this kind of work Social media. Social media, of course, is a huge one. Um, Also, a really good one, and one that actually worked for me when I was still doing floors, is targeted direct mails. You can target neighborhoods, neighborhoods that you want to work in. So I always thought that was a good one. Um, There's definite opportunity here for commercial long-term maintenance contracts, stores, restaurants, office buildings. And realtors, the the realtor programs with this stuff. I mean, you know, when a realtor wants to show a house, they'll put fresh baked cookies in there just to make the thing smell good. So now with the floors in great shape, I mean, this is a perfect, perfect little business for a wood floor guy to get into without a lot of uh, investment either. It's not a crazy investment that you're going to need. You ever go to an open house just for the food? Never. You? I have. Yeah, absolutely. In my neighborhood in California, when they started, the houses started to sell real fast. I mean, it was walking distance, so it's worth the effort. They, sometimes they'd have cookies out or something like that, you know. Plus, uh-huh. I was always curious to see what my neighbor's house really looked like inside. So I'd go in there, I'd have a few cookies. I'd say, hey, Judy, would you like some cookies? She doesn't like cookies, but she would get them and give them to me. Nice. Yeah. Do you ever have somebody screw up a job from an uh, open house? No, what do you mean? Oh, we had done, uh, Pete, my, my old partner, Pete and I, we did a job like a 120 year old farmhouse, all 12 inch planks, old, I mean, amazing, all fur. We, um, get the floors done. Everything's done. The guy opens it up for sale because he's 
doing a rehab on it and selling it. He opens it up Saturday, right near a golf course. This house was right near a golf course. Mm -hmm. Somebody walks through the thing with the old time golf cleats, the spikes. Walk through the entire house. Oh no. With the golf spikes on. The guy was in tears when he called me up. He calls me on a Sunday morning. And he's like, you got to come over and take a look at this. I, I go over there and I mean, he had put his heart and soul into it. You know what I mean? It was, yeah. he was one of those guys who did one big rehab every, you know, one or two years. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this guy. Yeah. That's a heartbreaker. Yeah. And the real estate agent didn't catch the guy walking in with golf cleats. Mm-hmm. I never saw, I, I never saw anything like it. Yeah. That's, that's as bad as it gets. Stairs. Take- he walked upstairs, upstairs, downstairs. And oh. that's, that's just brutal. Crazy. That you, that you remind me though, my uncle towards the end of his career, uh, in Piedmont is <laughs> Piedmont is our really upscale neighborhood. It's all m- m- many million dollar homes in that area, and he was doing a job for an old lady. Like she was like, you know, maybe in her eighties or nineties, um, and um, you know, hearing was really bad and everything. And 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 you know, when you walk down the stairs, there's a massive picture in the landing, right? Big, big, great, big picture. And one of his guys. Uh, hit the, the glass with the vacuum cleaner going up and shattered the glass, right? So he um, <laughs> he t- took all the glass, cleaned up all the glass, you know, got it all swept up, everything all vacuumed up, all the glass, everything like that. Picture looked perfect. It was just missing glass. I guess if you're 90 years old, you know, you, you know you're not going to notice it. And then the rug was a, you know, very valuable uh, version rug downstairs, huge, be- beautiful, you know, masterpiece of a rug. So nice that she said, don't even move the rug, just sand around it. Uh, so the guy with the edge was standing around and caught the rug and got the, the fuzz off the rug or whatever and just, you know, took a bite out of it. So he, they put glue, used glue and kind of put the fiber fibers back on the rug and everything, kind of, you know, put it back where it's supposed to be and everything. And and uh, they got paid, but that's a, that's a tough way out of a job. That's why at all the schools, we tell everybody, remove everything. Yeah. When people say these pictures need to come off the wall, absolutely they need to come off the wall. Yeah. Did you also have that rule about the countertops? We had a we had a nothing goes nothing goes up rule. No, nothing goes on countertops. Nothing goes on any tabletops. Anything like that. Nothing goes there. You know, everything has to sit on the ground. We don't use countertops and all that kind of stuff just because a marble countertop you scratch with sandpaper. Any of those type of things could happen so easy. Even if it doesn't happen, the fact that your stuff is there, you're suspect number one you know what i mean yeah yeah so i think yeah a, did i have that rule yeah. no. no no not at all matter why, of fact, should, why should wait, you it, <laughs> if you talk to the two people who worked the most with me my kid and my old partner pete they would go ballistic on me because i put everything on counters shelves tables I'd take a paper towel or something maybe and put a 36 grid on top of it, roll a 36 on top of a paper towel or something. Ah, it'll be fine up there. Mm-hmm. Window sills. Where's my hammer? Where's my tape measure? That it's on the windowsill where you put it, where you put everything. <laughs> <laughs> so with the deep cleaning. Yeah. Uh, when you were doing that repair, how many square feet did you do that day when you were doing that repair? It was about 1400 square feet. Yeah, because what I'm finding at the schools are guys are being able to pound out around 500 square feet in, of 
just deep cleaning in an hour. And they're charging anywhere from 40 cents to a buck and a quarter a foot. So if I made a buck a square foot off of that job, if I charge, I mean, my material is nothing, right? Maybe I could have bought that damn truck, that, that senior citizen truck that I was looking at. With the senior discount? Yeah. Were you going to get a senior discount? That's what I should have asked. Well, I was on Facebook. I yeah. should ask what the senior discount is. What's the senior discount? Yeah. Exactly. Or what's the senior discount for, uh, you know, awesome soccer players? Yeah. You gotta, that's got to be a discount. Be or something. The other thing that we can do once we get into this deep clean business, we start, and you've heard it, we talked about this, I don't know how many times. Um, we start to uh, cultivate that lifetime customer. Yeah. I mean, that was the biggest mistake. When I look back, and you and I have talked a lot about what I would have done different, things that we've learned along the way, that was probably the biggest mistake I made was never trying to cultivate customers like that into a lifetime type business. Well, I mean, they've already, you know, you've already established a relationship with them. They already trust you. They already, you know, are fine having you in the house as long as they hadn't seen you put this stuff on their countertops. Then I, I think that, you know, <laughs> and what do they say? When you do a floor for somebody, you usually the average on touching that customer again is what seven to 10 years in our industry, you know, before they want any other work done, sand and finish or a new floor. So this, this is a great way to keep in touch with them year after year. It's like having your teeth cleaned. Yeah. It's going in, having your teeth cleaned. Same thing. A little bit of maintenance on the floor, but that also gives you an opportunity to see what they're doing to the floor. How's the environment? Walk off mats. What are they using for cleaner? They're keeping the felt on them. All of that stuff is going to be great for, for their floor, but even better for your reputation. Yeah. It's also a great way to build new customer base too. If you're just out there, people looking for that cleaning, you're going to be their hardwood floor guy. So it's a quick, easy way to build a new customer base and also hold on to that lifetime customer. Are you, do you guys demo these things at the school? Do you take, I know you do you, when the three day schools, are you demoing those products at all? Or are you doing anything with them? Big time. I, that is one of the, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, nobody leaves the school without trying out and running the power scrubber. And we do the, all the recode systems and everything. And the great part about the power scrubber is it works for deep cleaning. It works in our guaranteed recode system. It works if you're going to prep the floors. I, I mean, uh, yeah. It's a big part of the schools. Good opportunity for contractors. Good timing for contractors. And I uh, hope you got something out of this. And this has been another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. Please stay tuned for another episode.